89. So it was just just random shit. If I just like a normal just some random shit. A lot of it was the difference between LA and Texas at first, and just bullshit like that. And that's just Michael Lewis Martin. Uh, I did it under uh, Lewis Martin. Lewis Martin. Yeah. So, but in your day to day life, do you go by Michael or do you go by Lewis? Oh, Lewis is just my middle name. It's most people call me Mike. Most people call you Mike. So you've always yeah. wanted a certain degree of separation between you and your stand up. Um, I actually I did Lewis Martin because of Dean Lewis and and uh, or Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Dean Martin and Spelled Jerry Lewis. differently. Jerry Lewis from back in the day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I thought so Lewis Martin would be funny. You looked at it and you said, I have a natural opportunity here to be named after two famous, a famous comedian pair. Kind of. Yeah, it was more of just smoking weed and thought, hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Which they aren't always good ideas. Yeah. No, sometimes you get terrible ideas that you think are great ideas. Mm -hmm. I had yeah. some pretty horrible ideas that I was like, this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been doing the Quentin J character? Um, I first came up with them in probably like 94, 95 when I was going to theatrical school. Yeah. And uh, we had to do to a, what school? It was a care. Uh, see, I went to Katie studio in Dallas. Oh, okay the 18-month associate's degree plan. Wonderful. Doc, I'm not a senator by now. <laughs> um, so anyway, they had a character development class, and you had to come up with the original character. So I came up with Quentin J. Yeah. But uh, I thought it was cool and everything, but I was like 24 at the time, and I thought it was more suited for someone older. So I started fucking around with it again, and doing uh, open mics at the end of 2012, 2013, yeah. somewhere in there. And the only places I was doing it at was uh, Mabel Peabody's and Hyena's Down. Mabel Peabody's maybe the worst place for the Quentin J character to go to. No, actually, everyone was welcoming, man. I guess they're... That's, that's the weirdest thing, man. Those crowds and uh, black crowds love Quentin J. They don't at first, they don't know what to think of them, but those are probably my two most accepting crowds. In general? Oh yeah. The LGBT spaces and, and black crowds. Why do you think that is? Mm -hmm. I think they're smart enough to know it's a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. Those white, the and... white hoity-toity liberals that come see a lot of comedy don't always track that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get the offended people that yeah. don't want to take time to find out whether it's an act or not. I call them GOFs, goffs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, gay on Facebook. That's what I call those people. <laughs> <laughs> They're just ready to make judgments, and yeah, they just want to be part yeah. of something, but they don't have any yeah. actual adversity to lean on. Yeah, but Quentin J definitely experiences discrimination. <laughs> it's actually the the worst case I've ever had was the very last open mic I did that Wednesday night before all the shit hit the fan. Mm -hmm. 
like the night that they canceled the yeah, NBA what happened? and all that. I was at a bar in Fort Worth. I ain't going to say which one. Wednesday night and, you were uh, at. I'd never been there before. Playground. I'd never been there before. <laughs> <laughs> I love being right about and that And so, you know, I'm used to people like looking at me funny or women not wanting to go up the elevator with me at Hyenas Dallas and things like that. <laughs> but um, I was going to go on like second and uh, I'd been at a place earlier, uh, Phillips, uh, the Wounded Duck. Yeah. So anyway, I walk into that bar, and uh, I'm going to get a drink to support the bar, you know? Yeah. And I knew I was going up quick. So I go up to the bar, and a lot of people that see me for the first time kind of do a double take. <laughs> yeah, because you're wearing a jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> There's two, these two girls are bartending. Yeah, I know the two girls. Okay, okay. The blonde and there's a tall brunette. Yeah, the tall brunette. Okay, yeah. She's, she's the, the one, one who... I had problems with. Yeah, what she's... <laughs> so, so the blonde chick looks up and makes eye contact with me and then walks to the other side of the bar. Yeah. The brunette was on her phone, looks up and, and looks at me and then looks back down at her phone. Yeah, and I said, "Excuse me, can I get a drink?" So she <laughs> walks over and she goes, "Yeah," like, uh, "Can I get a Crown and Seven?" So she's making the drink and she brings it to me, and I usually don't carry cash on me, but I had some cash on me, and uh, she said it was five dollars. So I had two fives and a one, and I bartended for seven years, so I tip well. Yeah. When when I go to bars. So I gave her the two fives to get change. I was going to give her three bucks. Yeah, that's good. So I give her two fives. I turn around and look back on the stage and I turn back around and she's back on her phone again. And I said, uh, hey, uh, well, no, <laughs> let me back up before that. So she gives me that drink. She says it's $5. So I give her my debit card and she screams at me. There's a $10 limit. And I didn't <laughs> see the sign that was at the bar. Yeah. There's a $10 limit. That's $5. You need to spend $5 more. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, okay, I'll, I'll just tap out then. And that's when I gave her the two five. So I turn around, look at the stage, turn back and she's on her phone again. And I said, uh, can I get the change? And she screams at me, you gave me a five and a one and you want change? And I said, no, I gave you two fives and I want change. So she hits the cash register and it pops open and she's looking through stuff and she takes out a five and then she looks in the tip jar and there was a five on top of the tip jar. So what happens was she just assumed I gave her two bills. It was a five and a one. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's somewhat of an honest mistake and everything. So anyway, she, she takes the five out of the drawer, the five out of the tip jar. She throws it down in front of me. And she says, there, it's free now. So I said, fuck it, keep it. And then 30 uh -huh. seconds later, I got called up on stage. And when I got up there and took the mic and I looked over at them, they were both kind of, oh, shit. She tried to give you a drink for free and then you told her to keep the change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, "Fuck it," you know. Yeah, 
but anyway, that was that was an example of Quentin J discrimination. That was pretty. You think that you were discriminated against because of your jumpsuit in that case? Mm-hmm. Because they thought, who's this ignorant fucking hick in here? <laughs> uh. Well, I just want you to know that uh, I know that girl uh, really uh, better than I know Samoa's bartenders. We went to middle school together in in Rome, Texas. So I think possibly, I'm just going to put this out there, she's probably pretty comfortable with the Quentin J type considering she lived in Rome for most of her. Hitchhiker Rome, take a Greyhound to Fredericksburg. (laughs) But... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she could have been having a bad day, but yeah, I know what it was, dude. Well, she you know, just, there's also like the hot bartender vibe where you just kind of get to be like rude to people, and because you're like a hot bartender, people buy into it, and then some people don't respond to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but she's got to be a little hotter to treat Quinn. Oh, Jay come on, that. Quinn! <laughs> 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 All right, man. So, what you've been doing in quarantine? What you've been up to? Man, I'm still working. Uh, they've cut me back to 40 hours. So I'm like getting Fridays off. You don't have to say where you work, but what do you do? I drive a truck, oddly enough. You drive a truck? Yeah, I work for a company that, uh, well, sales and rents and services, uh, construction equipment. Skid steers and excavators and things like that. Yeah. So they've got you so, working yeah. 40 a week? Hmm? 40 a week? Yeah, I I'm usually work at least 50 a week, but yeah. they've cut it back to 40, which is cool. Are yeah. they having you guys like social distance and stuff at work? Um, cuz I'm hardly ever there. I'm usually driving and yeah, doing shit like that, but yeah, they don't let uh customers aren't coming inside anymore and stuff and some people are a little uh uh, a little less attentive with it <laughs> than others. Yeah. Well, that happens. But, I mean, uh, if somebody walks in, yeah. you don't want to be like, get out. At the pizza yeah. place we I work at, we have our lobby closed, but if somebody walks into the lobby, we don't like scream at them to get out. We just try to get their order taken care of a little bit faster so they can get out of there. Yeah. Because you can't say You have it. like a sign on the door that says call? Yeah. Well, and we tell everybody who orders, hey, call us when you get here. It says so on our website and everything, but, yeah. you know... I, dude, I you know I've got a ticket for an illegal left turn that says I don't read every single sign that somebody needs me to. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Well, hell, I didn't read the ten dollar minimum on the at the bar. I know they have it. They have it <laughs> kind of funny. It's like printed out, but then they framed it, so it's like just a little shitty Times New Roman thing inside of like a little picture frame in front of the bar. Yeah. It says ten dollar yeah. minimum. I don't understand why that's necessary. It seems kind of strange yeah, to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because what's the cheapest thing they would have? Maybe a draft beer that's three bucks? Three dollar beers. They do three dollar yeah. beers every night. And then they and have you those... you got to still... But ten dollars is kind of... I, I would imagine five. Like, you see that at convenience stores because they don't want to pay the the charge on it. Is there a still a charge on the debit card transaction? I believe so, yeah. Man. I mean, it's, it's, it's minimal. It seems it's kind of archaic much, at this point. But... Doesn't it? To have to charge the company to run your debit card? Yeah. Nothing's <laughs> free. Nothing's free. All right, man. Well, I mean, what else? What else? What else? Uh, 
like with this whole situation we're in, man, I find myself forgetting about it. Forgetting about that COVID? it's even going on because I mean, well, your life hasn't changed that much. Yeah, yeah. Are you the are, fucking traffic's fucking great, dude? Traffic is nice right now. Oh my god, dude! Thirty five like a fucking uh, autobahn in the morning. <laughs> it's pretty excellent. I mean, you know, there's no evidence that we couldn't just continue to operate kind of this way. I mean. Yeah. I don't understand why all these people who are working from home right now need to then drive to downtown Dallas every day. Yeah. And I feel like and local the, restaurants... Have you is, seen, like, the pollution indexes and stuff? Yeah, like, dolphins are back swimming under the streets of Venice now, and... That's yeah, crazy. I guess it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's just all this foot traffic that... Oh, yeah. But I think, you know, my problem with that is that do we look at all the like the dolphins are back in Venice. People are sharing that and they're like, we're the problem. But it's like it's not because one dude in Venice owns a boat that dolphins are dying. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's like still like, you know, oil tankers built in the ocean. Like those are a much bigger problem than just people living, I think, or cause more yeah. pollution, you would think. But people aren't worried about that stuff because we, you know, it's just so, all the stuff you see about it kind of, I feel like, blames it on us. Like, you have to cut up your straws. It's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can we can all do our part, but you, you still, go, if you're the alpha in the situation. Yeah. That's just the way nature designed it. <laughs> <laughs> so you never had anybody... You know, when you're on stage as Quentin J, you've never had anybody try to like rush the stage or anything like that. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a really no. obvious character kind of, it's like, you're really good at staying in character, but there's also, it's very, very clear that you're in character. I, the, yeah, I've always seen, I think it's over the top enough to where people should realize. Yeah. But some people don't, man. Well, some people, I think, especially at open mics and stuff, you have people missing part of the presentation. Like, they don't hear you introduce yourself as Quentin J. Bushmaster, but then they walk in after you started and they hear, like, some guy on stage. I don't know. I'm trying to think about something that you say because you never really cross any big lines. You know what I mean? You just, like, very rarely, yeah. You will. You will. Very rarely. And that's not what I'm trying to do either. You know, I like to fuck with the PC mentality a little bit, but I'm just there to have a good time, and I hope other people have a good time. Yeah. How many martinis are you? have you had today? You were drinking a martini earlier. Um, I just made one, but it's like a quadruple. It's like a quadruple. Four shots of gin. Oh, well, you're at home, so you can do whatever you want. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm still driving. <laughs> <laughs> a little olive floating around in that thin glass. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> those are the best part at the end. You get to munch on those. Talk about a dirty martini. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I'm kind of just feeling it today. I'm really kind of out of it. I, I haven't socialized. I haven't worked in like two days. And you get to this point where, you know, like I live with my family and I've been talking to my family for 26 years. It's like we just don't have the most engaging conversations all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot so of how was your day? 
yeah, it's a lot of grunting sometimes. <laughs> just like every conversation with a family member at you know ten o'clock at night is, do you know where this is? Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. you but are you a are you st- when you're not at work? Are you social distancing? Do you wear like gloves when you go to the gas station and stuff? Um, I've got a pair of work gloves up in mask, yeah. Um, which I probably should, because that's another whole thing with all this. Because I moved back to Denton in January, and I'm living with my mom. Because mm-hmm. uh, my dad went into a nursing home about three months ago. My mom's by herself, so yeah, I moved in here to kind of take care of her a little bit, and uh, that worries me. I mean, it worries me with my dad in the nursing home too, because if it gets in there, and we mm-hmm. haven't been able to see him in yeah a month now. That place is like a Petri dish if it gets in there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm glad that they're, you know, keeping people out and everything, but it's still tough. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really, he kind of, he somewhat understands what's going on, and he'll hear someone cough and call my mom and tell her, oh, it's here now. What <laughs> <laughs> well, does, um, so how your mom is not in a nursing home, but your father is. I'm, I mean, I'm curious why that is, but that's also incredibly personal. Oh, no, it's just, uh, it's a very important lesson in life. Um, it's My dad just turned 80, and he retired at 64, I think. Yeah. But when he retired, he just gave up. He would sleep, get up, eat, go back to sleep, get up, eat, go back to sleep. And that was his routine for you know, damn near 14 years. And if you don't use it, you lose it. That's yeah. I was reading a study yesterday. No matter how much. Yeah. Your family says, Hey, if you do this, you're going to end up in a nursing home. You got to get up. You got to stay up. You got to be active. And he didn't want to listen. So his, his muscles are just like not strong enough to like support like a kind of active. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty much, uh, if he's, up he's in the wheelchair yeah type thing and his uh he started showing signs of dementia probably five years ago they say that if uh, if you're old if you're of older age or you're retired and you live alone your chances of developing dementia go up by almost 50 percent after 10 years oh imagine i you know it's so crazy it's not something that we think about you know I don't know if uh, you think computers, I was trying to think about this yesterday. Computers, are they going to make us more inclined to dementia or less inclined to dementia? I would think less because it, it still keeps your mind sharp. It's a, yeah. it's a quick fix. It's like my mom, she's 78 and still just sharp. Her body's given out more than her mind. Yeah. And, uh, but she's always playing solitaire on her tablet. And, yeah. My grandma, you, know, you got to use that shit. My grandma has a pogo.com subscription. Have you ever heard of pogo.com? No. Oh my gosh, it's like a gambling network for old people that exists online. <laughs> it's very wonderful. It's I mean it's Bingo hundreds, and... hundreds of flash games, you know, cactus, pop, slot machines, fucking, you know, like old arcade games that have been redesigned with like the pogo.com licensage. 
and then you get collective points that you collect in every single game and then you can kind of like like my grandma has friends on pogo.com where they have all their emails written down like she has a little book next to her computer with all the emails yeah. and passwords for her pogo friends so that if they need to go out of town for a week this is totally true if they need to go out of town for a week she like will log into their account for them and keep all their points active and stuff it's like <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, those 60-minute hit pieces that were done about teenagers in, like, 2004 being addicted to WoW. It's like, that. that's what my grandma is actually a part of online. It's pretty insane. Really? Yeah, dude. Very involved stuff. And, I mean, some of the games are pretty fun. You know, I'll get on there sometimes. But poker. I'm trying to think what else. That's pretty wild. I have to turn my mom on to that. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean... You know, it is what it is. The hell was that? The hell was that? It's a soundboard I yeah. have. You don't know my soundboard? <laughs> oh, no. It's too aggressive. You ain't heard this garbage? You got this shit legit as fuck, man. Yeah, it's a pretty good little setup, huh? I had to make you install a weird app on your phone. I was doing Messenger at first, but it just was, the signal was so bad. You know what I mean? I couldn't hear what anybody was saying. Yeah. And then uh, we tried to, we're doing Discord now. If anybody has a better setup for that, that listens. Although my listenership is starting to go down too, because I, I, you know, I've been doing one every day for like three weeks. I think people are starting to get exhausted of it. <laughs> well, know. it's time for the best of. Bring it, them all back in. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to start cycling people back in. I totally agree. But then I still have, you know, it's funny. I've had a few people like hit me up online and they're like, I'd love to do your podcast. And I just want to be like, what? <laughs> How do you, you don't even know it exists. You want to listen, you want nine people to listen to you talk to me for 30 minutes. Why would you possibly think that that's the career move? But I think that all of us are just going crazy, uh, not being able to perform, dude. Oh, no. It fucking sucks, dude. You, I think because you have a character, you have a much healthier relationship. And maybe you're just older, you know, a little bit more wise than some of the other comics in the scene as well. But you seem to have a much healthier relationship with going out and performing every night than everybody else. Well, I treat it as a hobby, man. It's not like, it's not serious for you. I mean, I do it for the fun of it. You know, I don't have any grand dreams i mean my dreams were spent 20 years ago when i moved to los angeles to be an actor so if something good happened out of it that's great man but i just do it because it's a way to be on stage and write and have fun you're truly in it for the love of the game oh yeah did you ever figure out what it is that makes you want to act so bad like what is um just the creative process man that's just it. Yeah, it seems like yourself seems and like the attention. Yeah. Anyone that tells you they don't do it for the attention's a liar. Yeah, for sure. But you think the drive but, for you uh, is just creating, coming up with stuff. Um, I mean, I was doing that even when I wasn't uh, doing stand up or the time between I wasn't doing anything acting related. Because shit pops in your head all the time, you know? 
Yeah. Because, like, what's your process with writing like? Because for me, I can't sit down and write. Most of my ideas come when I drive. That's why my job's great for that. Yeah. I'm kind of the but, same way. I'm, I'll be driving around, and I'll be talking out loud to myself. Um, I used to not be able to write. Like, I would never – I felt like I was so behind on new material. Like, I've, I remember having a moment. I'm like, I've been doing this for three years. I barely have, like, 15 minutes of material that's actually good. And all of it was written just because I was sitting there and I was like, oh, well, this might be funny. Just like kind of randomly. And do it that way, yeah. But the driving thing I think is really important because so being able to like force yourself to be in solitary with your own kind of id. Or I don't know if id is the right – you know, just your sense of self, being alone with mm -hmm. yourself. I think that's kind of something that you need to force. Um to get writing out so it's like such it's such a laborious process to sit down and write yeah uh, i'm lazy that way <laughs> so normally i'll sit there and i'll try to think of at least one sentence or like if i have something like i'll be having a conversation and there's one thing about the conversation that kind of sticks with me i'll just write down a bullet point normally one two words maybe a little sentence mm -hmm. and then I take it to an open mic and I just go up there with that one sentence and I, you know, get kind of loose. And then I just try to like focus on that. Well, like what I've been doing recently is you normally get about a five minute set. Okay. Well, all five minutes are about this topic tonight because I just came up with it and it's going to be funny and I got to get material out of it. And normally I wind up finding stuff that's not even semi related to what the bullet point was. I just go up there and I let myself kind of riff and then I pick out, you know, I record it and pick out things that kind of stick with me from that. So really I feel like, because I have a problem sitting down and just writing. Like we were talking about uh, Emily Griefer a couple of days ago, another comic, and she is so good at just sitting down with a notepad and like coming up with ideas. You know what I mean? I used to live with Luke and he would do like diagrams on the wall. Like he would do a big cross shape and then he'd have four topics and he'd have to like come up with different ways. Like he'd have to draw different shapes on the, on the chart, connecting the topics together to make jokes. And, I think what that made me kind of realize is the writing process is just trying to accelerate creating as much material as possible because you accept that no matter how good you get, 90% of it is always going to be just absolute garbage. So you just have to increase how much that 10% of not garbage writing that you're actually coming up with is. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But I think the writing, the driving while you're writing thing is good because it, it um, you know, do you like play your radio and then you come up with stuff or you like sit there and you drive in silence and you kind of talk out loud to yourself a little bit. It just ideas. I'll see something or think of something it pops in my head and I'll start repeating it and then adding things to it and repeating that and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like you with the like keywords. I've been saying for three years, I was going to get on my computer and print out all this shit I've got. But all I've got is a notebook of about eight pages of just uh, keywords. Just little button phrases and stuff. That yeah. Gets you... And then I can remember what I was talking about there and just go from there. I, I actually help that it finds it helps me kind of. Uh, I find that it helps me maintain the illusion of the first time to keep that as the base parameters of the joke. Because I've mm -hmm. done that before, too, where I go to my computer and I'm like, okay, I'm going to open up, like I open up a Word, a notepad document. I'm like, okay, this is a long bit I've been working on. And uh, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to type it all out so I can see it all laid out for me and then organize it perfectly together. 
and I always and when I'm typing it I feel like this is really rewarding I see how complex this joke can be and how kind of crazy it is and then the next time I try to do the joke on stage I'm like I get like script anxiety and it kind of limits how funny I can really be because I'm trying to remember every little thing that I wrote down instead of what I was doing before, which is just jumping from idea to idea mm -hmm. with, you just have to be confident in yourself to kind of improvise in those moments and make it sound interesting every time. And if you're like, if you can maintain your anxiety about the idea or like, if it's a one liner, remember why it's funny, why you think it's so funny, you know, and just kind of keep that magic for yourself. Then I think, you know, the little jumps in between topics or expounding on something for five minutes when it's only a bullet point becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Because you know what it is that's funny about it. If you're like, you know, sometimes I get into the habit of being like, oh, I wanted to talk about that pandas thing tonight. I'll talk about that pandas thing. But I don't sit there and think about, well, what's funny about that is the, the fucking of the pandas and like how hard it is to make them fuck like that. You know, when you get into pandas, that's the thing you need to be talking about. <laughs> but instead I go up there and I'm like, I'm just going to talk about pandas. And then I'm like, you know, they got round circles around their eyes. And because I'm not really feeling it. I'm not actually agitated about pandas. Yeah. Well, but that uh, that moment when you're on uh, you were kind of talk about something earlier. If you think about if you got everything included in there, it's like the meat on the bone. You know, you'll try to get all the meat off the bone that you're talking about. And yeah. if you go to something different, you remember some huge chunk that, mm -hmm. fuck, I meant to say that. Yeah. But it, I, you know, I think that the audience can feel your anxiety about missing parts of the joke more than. They appreciate that you nailed every single line. Yeah. You got to let it wash over you. Yeah. You know, uh, you don't, the audience doesn't want to watch you go up there and nail one liners. Like it's not the fifties anymore. That's not what people mm -hmm. are into. People, hey. like, <laughs> you know, people, uh, people want you to go up there and be a little raw. And even if you're just being funny, you know, there's still, you know, people say don't laugh along with your own jokes, but I think at a certain point you kind of have to sometimes because if you're just sitting there kind of droning on and on, well, I mean, if you're not having fun. Yeah. But, uh, and that is a style though. And some people can pull that off. Well, it's for some people that's real and honest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not it's out like of... with Quentin Jay, I, I try not to show emotion. Yeah. But sometimes I do get tickled. From something happening and well you show emotion you know. but you don't show you don't break but like no no but like as quentin jay if you're like ranting about some lady who like you know that joke that long story you tell about you know yelling at that walmart worker if if you were to just kind of drone that out and never engage but there's like Moments where you're like raising your hands when I've seen you do it and you're like, you know, kind of gesticulating and stuff and like all of that. The audience needs all of that for stand up to work. It's not just good writing, yeah. but writing is the hardest part for me. Oh, it is. 